Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Blaney's podcast. We are pleased to be broadcasting from the beautiful Spence Thomas Studios in beautiful downtown Toronto. Blaney McMurtry is a, uh, a downtown law firm. We have 125 lawyers uh, practicing law there, and uh, one of those lawyers happens to be with me today, my partner, Leah Nebel, who one of her areas of expertise is construction law. Good afternoon, Leah. Good afternoon, Lou. Thanks for having me. It's always been a pleasure to have you, and I'm wondering whether we can talk about the new Construction Act as uh, as it now has been promulgated into force on July the 1st, 2018. Yes, there have been uh, several changes to the Construction Lean Act legislation in Ontario, and you are quite uh, correct. Some of the changes came in on July 1st, 2018, so this is a really timely topic, and uh, hopefully your listeners will be interested. We hope so. One of the things that I know about the construction industry, because I used to dabble in it uh, a bit, was that one of, one of the most difficult things was getting paid promptly and, and on time. I presume that this Construction Act, and I hope it does, uh, addresses some of those issues. Yes, that was one of the main reasons uh, for substantive changes to the Construction Lean Act, which, by the way, is now referred to as the Construction Act. There seemed to be a trend in the construction industry in that contractors were not getting paid quickly, and the time to actually collect on their invoices was stretching out anywhere from 90 to 150 days, for example. And so there were a lot of people in the industry that lobbied to have the government put something in place so that they could be paid faster. The new legislation incorporates a mandatory prompt payment regime, and that's going to come into force on October 1st, 2019. Okay. So it's not here yet, but that is one of the major changes to the Act that owners, uh, contractors, material suppliers should study up on and get prepared for. All right. Well, let's focus on the changes that uh, come about uh, it came about a couple of weeks ago on July the 1st. So one of the the methods available in the construction business is to place a lien uh, against title to a property that you've provided material to. Has that changed? That has not changed. You still have the right to register a lien against title to a property if you haven't been paid. But what has changed are the deadline or the timeline for doing that. So under the old act, you had 45 days from the last date um, of when you supplied services or materials to place a lien. There's also a tr another triggering event, which is the publication of a certificate of substantial performance, which not all projects have, but when they do have that, you have to register your lien 45 days from the date of publication. Now, I know that there was another deadline under the old act, which is something called perfection of the lien. And that usually, I think, was another 45 days after the lien period expired. Is that still in place? Yes, it is. The second mandatory step when you're registering a lien is you have to issue a statement of claim and also register something called a certificate of action on title to the property. And that's assuming that the land is um, not owned by the Crown. There's different rules when that applies. But you had 45 days to issue your statement of claim and register your certificate of action from the last date that you could have preserved your lien. That has now been changed from 45 days to 90 days. And the reason why these changes um, have come into effect is it now gives people more time to talk to each other, 
to negotiate and to try and resolve their payment issues before you have to get heavy into the litigation process. Okay, so that really the change, I guess, when I first thought about it, was just to give the construction supplier more time to register his lien and his and to perfect the lien. But I guess, really, it gives us more time or gives the construction supplier more time to negotiate and resolve their problem. That's correct. Now, does this new law start on July the 1st right away for all projects, or is there some kind of transitional period? There is a transitional period. So just as a general rule of thumb, if the prime contract, that's the contract between an owner and a general contractor, came into effect before July 1st, 2018, then the old act will continue to apply. Also, if a procurement process, that could be when a a tender package came out and people started bidding on it, if that process has started prior to July 1st, then the old act will apply. And the old act will also apply if the supply concerns a leasehold interest. So, for example, if you supplied some material uh, to a property that was being leased, if the lease was entered into prior to July 1st, 2018, the old act will apply. No, I've heard that there's another kind of tool that can be used by the construction supplier on a project, which is called a written notice of lien. Can you tell me what that was and and if that's changed? Yeah, before registering your lien, you could send something. It's, It's pretty much a demand letter, just letting people know that you are owed money on the project and that it's your intention to register a lien if you're not paid by a certain date. Now, The new act has something called a written notice of lien, but there's actually a standard form now that must be used if you're going to send one. So it's probably best if you speak with legal counsel to get a little bit more advice and information about that to make sure that you are sending the proper notice. It's also not a substitute for registering a lien. So just because you send it doesn't mean that you don't have to do any of the other steps that we've been talking about today. When an owner has his property leaned, other than paying for the work that is allegedly unpaid for, can he take any steps to vacate the lien or get rid of the lien from his property? Yes, and that's quite typical in a situation where um, an owner has a mortgage. It could be a default, and in, in most cases it's a default under a mortgage if a lien is registered against title to your property. So what will sometimes happen is the owner of the property will pay money into court, and that notionally vacates it um, and satisfies the, the lender. And that way, instead of the property being security for the lien claim, there's actually a pot of money in court as security for a contractor's lien. Under the old act, you would post the full amount of the lien plus 25% for costs, up to $50,000. That has now changed under the new act. Uh, You still post the same um, amount of the lien, but the 25% uh, costs has now increased from a maximum of $50,000 to $250,000. Now, we've also heard terms mentioned uh, when we are talking about construction, the Construction Lien Act, about a holdback. Can you tell me what a holdback is and uh, whether that issue has been addressed by the new act? Sure. A holdback is pretty much what it sounds like. A payer on a contract is required under the Act to hold back 10% of the value of services or materials as they are supplied under a contract. And so the money can't be paid out 
until it's, it's normally paid out at the end of the job, and it's paid out when there aren't any liens registered against title to the property. And, that has, and is that still the same now? Well, under the old Act, there wasn't a mandatory payment of holdback. In the new Act, now it's mandatory uh, to pay out the holdback once a certificate of substantial performance has been uh, published and the 45-day period, or actually now going to be the 60-day period under the new Act, um, has expired. If there aren't any liens registered against title to the property, the owner then has to pay out the holdback. There is an exception to that now, though. If the owner publishes something called a notice of non-payment of holdback up to 40 days after publication of the Certificate of Substantial Performance, and then gives notice to the contractor within three days after publication that they're not going to be paying the hold back, uh, then they can keep it and they don't have to pay it out until whatever dispute they have uh, with the contractor has been settled. One of the uh, technical issues that have arisen when lawyers get involved in a lawsuit or in a case involving construction liens and it, that usually means there's going to be a lot of quibbling and a lot of discussion, is when a supplier is entitled to a lien. And under the old act, they talked about supplying material to an improvement. And I understand that that's been addressed and changed to some extent to talk about something called a capital repair to land. Can you tell me what that is and how that changes things? Yeah, what a capital repair to land is, is it's any repair intended to extend the economic life of a building or to improve its uh, value. So if improvements are done during the life of the building, so if capital repairs are done, those are now lienable. It used to be questionable whether they were lienable under the old act, but um, under the new act, you still can't lien for just day-to-day -day repairs or maintenance services. All right, and, and that still stands today. That's correct. Okay. So one of the other issues that we've, uh, we talk about in the Construction Lean Act is something called a trust fund. And there were certain requirements for a trust fund. And I recall when I did some construction law, and I don't do it anymore because I leave it to you, Leah. You're the expert. But I do recall that there were some obligations on the part of a, a contractor or, or, a, or a subcontractor to keep separate and distinct accounts for each project. Has that been changed by the new law? That has been changed. You are correct. There was a requirement for project-specific bank accounts, but now you don't have to maintain separate bank accounts. The bank account has to be in the name of the trustee, so the person who's responsible for keeping the holdback funds, for example. And there are new uh, requirements. You have to keep written records that detail the receipt, payment, and transfer of those uh, funds for each project. Right. So you need to be mindful of that with the changes to the new act. One other thing that I should mention that's a little bit different is for lien claims under 25000 uh, they can now be referred to small claims court. So that, in some cases, it was a bit of a deterrent. It was very expensive for somebody to register a lien if the amount was under 25000 because you would go through the regular court process. But now there's the option of having it referred to a judge of the small claims court. Now, registering a lien, it, it, it seems rather easy in, in, in when you think about it, but are there issues and technical requirements that a, a layperson should be aware of before they try to do it themselves? Well, most liens now in Ontario can be registered from a computer. You don't have to physically take your claim for lien in all cases uh, to an office of where the land registry office is. 
So, yes, I, I think a layperson has to be mindful of whether or not they even have lien rights uh, before they register a lien, and they have to make sure um, that they're still in time. So we would recommend uh, that you do contact legal counsel for some advice prior to registering a lien. And um, certainly our firm has registered many liens and would be happy to assist anyone with questions or to register liens. With that in mind, Leah, I'm sure that everyone who listens to this podcast will call you up as soon as they have any problems. You can find Leah's phone number and email address on our website at blaney.com. Aliyah, we will be back for part two of this when the new legislation comes into play, part two, and we'll continue this discussion. Thank you very much. Thanks, Lou.